Chapter 47 Supper Call I climb the hill for home. Legs ache. This has been a long Wednesday. Some good, some bad. Some I don't have figured out. Like what happened up here around the crumple down? With Matt and Lance. One of them said it. Lost the pygmy. That's Calvin, of course. I smile about it. Wonder how he gave them the slip. I know he will tell me. I know where to find him. I can kind of feel his eye on me. I look over my shoulder, make sure the coast is clear. Nobody left in the drinker yard. I slip behind the tractor, reach into the brambles, and pull the rope to open the door. I step down in. I pull the door shut. Start talking into the dark. I say, Calvin? Holy cow! How did you get back here so fast? Calvin? Hey, Calvin? I stand still. The root cellar is way dark and silent. I reach back, push the door crack for light, but it doesn't really help. I blink a few times. I look around again. Calvin is not here. My eyes adjust, enough so I can see the shape of the great oryx on the pale wall, strong and mighty. I say, have you seen him? It's a joke with no one to hear it. I stare at the beast and it happens again. Looks like he's moving. Can almost hear him breathing. A whispering kind of in and out. I think, what if that oryx could run right off that wall? Out the door and into the orchard. My brain makes it up. Quick thought. Then it's gone. My stomach growls out loud in the quiet root cellar. Makes a noise like a groan or a moo. I am as hungry as an oryx. Makes me laugh. Bet Calvin got hungry too. Went on home for supper. Before dark. That's the rule. I think, darn. I want to hear how he made his getaway. The telling will have to wait for tomorrow. I pull the door shut. I make sure the bramble blanket covers it right up. The camouflage. I come up from the dip in the backyard thinking about Matt and his mom. Ugly scene that was. Makes me sorry for her. And I'm kind of sorry for Corey McSpirit, too. I catch a whiff of myself. It's sour apples and armpits and something else, too. I smell like the side of the drinker's house. Now that is something I never thought had much smell. But getting rammed into a place will make you notice. My elbow still aches. Good scrape on it, too. Coming around to the front of the crumple down, there's another smell. Bacon and maple. Uncle Drum slides out of his truck. Sun is down. Wonder if he's just getting back from the diner. Drinking coffee right up to supper time. There's a long, long Wednesday for you. He waits for me at the porch. He says, hey Mason, you okay? Looks like you need a fresh shirt. I say, yeah, well, that's pretty much always. Uncle Drum laughs. Just a grunt. He says, where's Calvin today? I say, he was here, but he went home. I jab my thumb toward John a Gold Path. Uncle Drum says, sorry I missed him. I almost say it. If Uncle Drum wanted to see Calvin, maybe he should not have sat so long at the diner. But I don't say it. No point. Inside the crumple down, I smell Italian sausages, and it is so good. That is the kind of smell you want to end your day with. 
Juicy, salty. Shailene is putting napkins around the table in a slap-down sort of way. She's having a pout. Must be the denim show didn't work out so well. Must be she didn't get to order her new jacket. The distressed. I go on up, change my shirt. Bad thing is, it's my last clean one. Must be a dozen dirty ones on the floor. My own fault. I've been two now and then about this. I gather them up and dump them down the chute. Smell of sausages comes up through. Grandma is going to see my shirts land in the basket there at the end of the kitchen. It will be up to her if I have any clean ones for tomorrow. We sit down to eat. Noodles and cheese with sausage on the side. I go on up, change my shirt. Bad thing is, it's my last clean one. Must be a dozen dirty ones on the floor. My own fault. I've been too now and then about this. I gather them up and dump them down the chute. Smell of sausages comes up through. Grandma is going to see my shirts land in the basket there at the end of the kitchen. It'll be up to her if I have clean ones for tomorrow. We sit down to eat. Noodles and cheese with sausage on the side. All through supper, Shailene keeps looking at Uncle Drum, then making a droopy face. He won't look back. She eats her food. Baby bites. Not me. I dig in. I do some real eating. Phone rings. We all stay put. Let the machine pick it up. It'll be one of those calls nobody wants. Something recorded. Like the card holder services, one from the lady named Rachel, or the guy called Kevin with a power washer, or the offer for a cheap price on a cruise, like any Buttles would get up and go on one of those. But it's not any of those folks. We hear Margie. Margie, who works at the Chumsky house. She says, hello. She might be a little mad or something. She says she is calling for Calvin, or about Calvin. We listen. She talks like Calvin is not there. I don't get that. It happens that I stop still and look at Shailene while I'm forking noodles into my mouth. She says, Ew, Mason, that's gross, and dry off. She pushes the roll of paper towels at me. I miss some of Margie's call. Grandma gets up. She stands by the phone, brow wrinkled up. Margie is still talking. She says something about when the Chumsky parents get home. She says, so I'd appreciate it if you'd give me a call back in the next few minutes, please. The call ends. Grandma looks at me. She says, Calvin went home, didn't he? I nod yes. I have a cheek full of sausage. I try not to talk with my mouth full. Don't want to stir up Shailene. Grandma picks up the phone. She dials Margie back. She talks. Then she listens. We all wait. Grandma tucks the phone under her chin. She says, Mason, where did you last see Calvin? I think about it. I remember him going to the left and up, scrambling, his white hair, backpack swinging. Grandma says, Mason, where? I say, it was a ways down the orchard. He was running up the hill to come here. Grandma looks at me, really at me. She says, and when was that? Do you know what time? I shake my head. I think this. The sun was low. The air was cool. She says, but were you with him? I say, I was, but then not. I was going to meet him again, but some stuff happened. I was gone kind of 
long taking the dog back to the drinkers. So Calvin went on home to supper. Grandma shakes her head at me, face full of worry. She says, no, honey, he didn't. He's not there. I push back my chair, stand right up. I go to the door of the crumple down. Daylight is gone. Has been for a while now. I cross Swaggerton, head up John Gold Path. I call for Calvin. No answer. I turn and look back toward the crumple down. See Uncle Drum come off the porch with a flashlight. He's moving at a trot, fast as I've seen him go anywhere in a long time. Looks like he will circle our pace. I go on, up into the yards of all the new houses. I call Calvin's name again and again. Tell you what, every time I do not find him, I feel the world tip. Little more, little more. I am almost to the Chumsky's place when I hear a police car goes by me. Merrimack PD. I watch the cruiser turn into Calvin's driveway. The world goes upside down. Chapter 48. The Search for Calvin Chumsky. Everybody searches. Everybody phones everybody else. It's after dark. Calvin should be home. I stand out front of the crumple down. Sent home. The searchers are here. They want grown-ups only. I watch the flashlight beam sweep through the yards up on John Gold Path. So many. A picture of Calvin goes to every house. Happens fast, and people come out to call. Calvin! Calvin! On my own, I check out in front of our place. Seems like that's where Matt and Lance came from when they said he lo they lost the pygmy. I want to look fast, find him fast. But I make myself be slow and careful. I look behind our branchy shrubs. Could be he hid there, but this doesn't make sense. It's not like Calvin would need to stay hidden so long. Shailene has her head out the window when I come by. Elbows on the sill. She's biting her thumb. She says, is there any sign of him, Mason? She sniffles. She's crying, and I know it's for real. Nobody ever said it, but Shailene likes Calvin. I shake my head at her. I say, no luck yet. Still looking. I walk along our rickety porch, past the mousy chair. I wrap my arm around the porch post. Look out to all the near places where I wish I could see Calvin right now. I grit my teeth. What happens is this. You just cannot stand it. It's too much like another time, when another friend did not go home for supper. The worry is the most giant kind. I see the mud green. It's all in patches. Got a feeling, like my heart leaking into my chest. Then I think this. What if I was wrong? What if Calvin circled wider for that chase? What if he got to the root cellar after me? There's not much of me that believes it. No way he would wait there all through supper time. And up to now. But I go. I slip back down to the dip in the yard, tuck myself behind the tractor. No one is watching me. They're looking for Calvin out in the dark. I fumble for the rope with the knot in it. The thorns bite my hands, but I make it inside. And don't you know, it is even darker in the root cellar. And no flashlight. Uncle Drum took that to go searching with the others. I cannot see, so I don't try to. 
I close my eyes. I walk my hands all along the painted stony walls. I'm quick, but I'm careful. I feel the wall where I drew with charcoal. I feel the bump of the Oryx's rump. Smell the oil crowns. I know this whole place. I touch all the walls. Then I touch all the air. Every bit of it. Arms out in front of me. I get low. I brush my hands along the floor. My fingers hit something soft and bumpy. I about jump out of my skin. But it's not Calvin. It's the rug that Mooney likes. I creep along, bump my forehead into the bench we made with the five-gallon buckets. This whole time, I whisper Calvin's name. I hope and I hope. I check every inch of that root cellar. But I find just what I think I will find. Nothing. I sit back on my heels. I whisper, Calvin, where can you be? Then I whisper, Calvin, do you know where you are? Tell me. Then I remember how it was to find Benny Kilmartin at the bottom of the treehouse. I think, no, Mason, don't think like that. It's Calvin now. Find Calvin. I get up and go outside where I can see. Strange thing, that is, the root cellar being darker than the night. I close the door and that blanket of brambles behind me. Some searchers come down across Swaggerton Road. Giant fireflies. They bob through the cluster stop, down Macintosh Circle to the new neighborhood below us. Some head into the space in the middle of our orchard. I want to go with them. I don't need a light. I can see without it. I think this. All of us need to check every mound of grass and make sure none of those is Calvin. We have to look up every tree, even though Calvin is not a climber. Check anyway. So I start marching out there. I don't get far. Uncle Drum calls for me, and I turn around, see him up at the crumple down, looking down off the end of the porch, and I see the shape of someone else beside him, Lieutenant Baird. Chapter 49, The Last to See. Don't you know the lieutenant wants to have a talk with me? We go inside, sit at the table, no notebook tonight. And Grandma does not wipe down the kitchen. She and Uncle Drum stand near me. Shailene has her eye at the crack of the bedroom door. The lieutenant is jittery. He talks fast. What we get to is this. I am the last to see Calvin. Makes me sound special, but not special. And I try to think, is it true? Am I the last? Do we know? but I think the lieutenant will not want to hear me ask it. He thumps a finger on the table. He says, Mason, this is very serious. You understand? I nod my head. He says, we have a second missing boy. And here we are, with you. I swallow down on nothing. Dry air. I think about that worry I have. That I am bad luck. I say, you mean second. Like... Benny Kilmartin was missing first, and now Calvin? He says, yes, those are the two boys I'm referring to. I need you to tell me what happened today, Mason. Let's get to it. I wipe my face on my shoulder. My thinking goes backward. The lieutenant says, I need to know everything. Was there a trick? A game? 
I say, no, just to chase. And then I lost him. You were chasing him? I say, not me. You just said you lost him. Yeah, but no, no, I don't chase. But we were running, both of us. Then we had to split up. Then it was supper time. He ran home. I mean, I thought he did. Up John a Gold Path. But now, yes, now what? What do you think now? I say, now he's missing, and the others might have... Who are the others? I take a breath. I'm trying, trying to hold on to the sequence in my brain. But when the lieutenant interrupts, I have to go back. Catch the thing I was trying to say. I say, oh, um, the others are the neighborhood kids who... And who are they? Oh, okay, that's Matt Drinker, Lance Pearson. They said they lost him. I think they meant he disappeared. Disappeared? Some spit fires within that P sound. The lieutenant is not happy. I hear him breathing through his nose, being impatiently patient. That's what that is. He will get madder. I know it. I reach for the paper towels, tear one off the roll, drag it down my face. I stop and hold it over my eyes. Lieutenant says, Mason, why were you heading into the orchard just now? I bring down the paper towel. I say, to look for Calvin. I look at the lieutenant, straight on. I say, I'm just like everyone. I want him back. The lieutenant says, then you help me, Mason. I try. I close my eyes. I start to see it, the chase, the map of it. It's going, it's a going backward map. I try to think of telling a story, sequence, but it is going backward, backward, backward. So I say, the last thing was, I dropped Mooney at the drinker's house, their dog. And before that, I was in the orchard, middle of the hill. I was looking up to the crumple down, this house. I saw Matt and Lance. They said they lost Calvin. Before that, they were coming around the corner of the porch. I look at the lieutenant now. He lets a breath out. At me. I say, sorry, I don't know the part before. I mean, I don't know their map, or Calvin's map. That piece is missing. The lieutenant makes a note. He puts his hands on the table, straightens his elbows. He says, you can be sure that we will talk to those other boys. Grandma says, when? When will you interview them? It sounds like they, now the lieutenant interrupts her. He says, there's a process here. I will have someone speak to them, but this comes first. As far as we know, Mason is the last person to see Calvin Chomsky. But how about this, Mason? How about you walk me through this map of yours? But let's go frontward instead of backward. Can you do that? How about we begin from when you got off the bus here today? I say, oh, okay. In fact, let's go walk that map. You take me, Mason. The lieutenant gets up. The table shakes. He says, let's go out there. Let's retrace. Uncle Drum says, that will be the three of us. He flicks on his flashlight. So we do that. I think it's a good idea. Better than sitting and interrupting. It starts with the cluster stop. It's Wednesday quiet. Two banana milkshakes. Then out of the crumple down with Calvin. Into the orchard paths I walk. The lieutenant stays on my heels. The orchard is different at night. 
the shadows, dark fruits, some clinging, some dropped, the sweep of the lieutenant's flashlight beside me. We hike. I am pretty sure we reached the pond same way Calvin and I did earlier this day. Tell you what, the lieutenant is interested in that pond. He says, any swimming? I say, no, too weedy, too mucky. And besides, this is fall. The lieutenant leads Uncle Drum and me, walks all the way around the pond. I tell him Calvin and I were not on that other side. Just Matt and Lance were. I tell him two times. He brings up the flashlight, makes me squint. He says, why don't you want me to walk around this pond, Mason? Any reason why Calvin couldn't have come back this way? I say, I don't know. Makes me feel stupid to say it. I feel stupid that I don't really know what the lieutenant means. We go around the pond, find nothing, but the lieutenant calls for helpers. They come quick. He sends them out around the pool. I say, there's more of the map, a part that comes after the pond. He says, and you say Calvin was still with you. I say, yes. He wonders if I am sure, but I am. He tells the searchers to stay with it. Stay at that pond. He tells me, okay, Mason, let's go on. So we do that. On through the orchard. And then comes the hard part of the map. I say, Calvin and I split up. Was near here. Not sure where. The lieutenant points me at the orchard rows. The grasses. He watches my face. I can feel that. Sometimes he holds up the light so he can see me. He says, think. Look and think. Uncle Drum says, he's doing it. Give him a chance. I look up to the left and point, finger moving. I say Calvin went up that way, on his own. But I don't know exactly where, but I went on. The lieutenant says, I'll bet you can remember. He shines that light in my face, then up the hill. He says, where, Mason? I scan. We are near it, pretty sure. Near the place I saw, saw Calvin go scrambling. I'm afraid to say it in case I'm wrong. There's some part where the tall grass is flat down. A trail. We walk it even though it is not my map. The trail goes sort of toward the crumple down, but it winds a bit. I tell the lieutenant, you know, this path could be made by Calvin. Or by a deer or rabbits. It's hard to know. Uncle Drum says, you're right. Could be an animal path. The trial dies away. And the shorter the trail dies away in the shorter grasses now. But the lieutenant and Uncle Drum and I make a guess. We go up and across the front of the crumple down. The lieutenant shines his light all along the stony foundation. In behind the shrubs, I think this. Already looked here. Did that myself, but I don't say it. We cross the porch to the mousy chair. The lieutenant gives that a shove. Might be because he's mad, but then we see it. Calvin's backpack drops out from behind the chair. My heart takes a hop. I say, that's Calvin's, that's his. The lieutenant goes stony-faced. He bounces his foot up and down on our cruddy porch boards. He eyes the steps. He says, I want to have a look under this decking. Now. It is Uncle Drum who does it. Starts kicking up the boards himself. They come up easy. If they don't, he yanks on them bare hands, or he kicks harder. I drag the mousy chair down the old steps. The lieutenant shines a light. 
Grandma and Shailene hear the racket. They come watch from the window. We all call out, Calvin, Calvin. But Calvin is not beneath our porch. The joists sit there, bare old bones with no skin on top. Everything is worse than a minute ago when we still thought we might find him. Weather comes in, a downpour, makes the search harder. Postponed is what I hear. I tell the lieutenant I can't postpone. I will go back to my map, walk the orchard again. Rain doesn't bother me. Not as much as wondering where Calvin is. But he says no. He wants me in. He's firm about it. Grandma wonders, do I want the rest of my supper? Because I left my plate, but I can't eat. I climb the stairs. I kick off my shoes. Skip stuffing them with newspapers. I drop my pants in a heap. I don't really go to bed. I lie on top of my sweaty t-shirt. Stare up at the chestnut beams. I think this. The Buttle House won't sleep tonight. And it doesn't. I know because I hear the washing machine filling. Later, it spins, empties, spins. Then the dryer flips clothes. My t-shirts. Tink, 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 tink. I lie awake, wondering where I would be if I could be Calvin. I hear the rain and hope he is dry and safe. I think of the Chumsky parents. I wonder if they will see him in the morning. I wonder if they will wear sad-to-see-you faces. I think of the first missing boy, Benny, who believed that shafts of light make the path to heaven.